passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It doesn't matter where I've been. What matters is where I am going. We know where you're going, man. Wherever Dolph tells you to go. I mean, why are you letting him lead you around on a leash? I, I just don't understand. Oh. He knows your secrets. Tell me there are no photographs, man. Please, look, I, I know it gets lonely in Scotland, but there are only so many sheep to go around, Drew. I, please tell me there's no photographs. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello everybody and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside Waiting. It is a a packed uh, weekend that we are coming off of. A uh, very busy week ahead. It is G one commencement week. Uh, there's so much going on. How are you doing, Way? I'm good. I'm good. Had a coffee today. D- a double double coffee, in fact. Oh wow! So I am more than ready for the month ahead. Oh, you know what I tried today? I I've been I've been. Uh, ha- having yogurt of late, I'm not a big yogurt eater, but I have lately been uh, having like Greek yogurt. Yeah. So I'm trying to, yogurt is, you know, you, you try to make it as healthy as possible. So I got like the no sugar and just plain. That was the flavor. Like it sounds dull. Oh my God, dude. It tasted like glue in my mouth. It was so <laughs> awful it was as though it was like cardboard yeah just just atrocious yeah i'll use like plain plain greek yogurt like if i make a smoothie or something but like uh yeah i i I find it personally even a bit too plain for me oh Uh, dude it's but sometimes the worst but the but like the sugar added ones are almost too sweet so yeah i I understand that it's uh you can add your own like you know add fruits or like i don't know people add like honey or something in there all right. Well, I can guarantee you not one person has downloaded this show wanting to know our yogurt recipes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how was your weekend, way? It was good. It was good. Yeah. Enjoyed some wrestling over the weekend uh, with the Cow Palace show. Um, and then uh, I watched Ant-Man. That's what I did yesterday. Oh, yeah. is it uh, is it a recommend or are you not allowed to even say that? I, no, I can, I can recommend it. Yeah, I, I almost recommend. I mean, I'll say like it's... Uh, you know, not my favorite MCU movie, but I certainly think it, it it's it's worthy of its uh, uh, placement among them. So I, I enjoyed myself a lot. So I do recommend it. Uh, great job on the New Japan show on on Saturday night. 
Hey, thank you. Yeah, and thanks to uh, Dan Lebransky and Mike Murray for joining me on that show. That is available at the uh, Post Wrestling Cafe. And great job to you, John, on the UFC 226. Look at us pat, pat each other on the back like this. Compliments are free. Yeah. Just throw them out to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was... Uh, no, I was really happy we got to get both uh, both shows done. It was great that we had uh, help to do these shows because obviously you and I couldn't have done these on our own. So that was a, a big help. I was glad we were able to get all those shows up. And, man, lots of stuff coming out of both shows. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to ask you, Way, because I listened to the show, and uh, it seemed pretty evident that uh, the three of you did not know the severity of Hiromu Takahashi's injury when you were doing the show immediately afterwards. I don't think any of us did. Mm-hmm. Um does that uh, – do you have any kind of change in opinion of that match knowing uh, what the end result was? Not so much that it makes it a bad match, but do you just look at it uh, somewhat different knowing uh, the status of Hiromu Takahashi, which, to be clear, we're not um, 100% sure um, how severe it is. New Japan just put out uh, a bit of an update that he is sitting and he is conscious and talking. Um, mm. But, yeah, it it is feared that he, you know it's pretty serious. Yeah, uh, does it affect like my enjoyment of the match? I mean, I I'm not even really thinking about it so much. I I'm just you know as soon as I heard the news, I I, I just like I like everybody. You know, like he is one of my favorite wrestlers, and uh, I just hope you know he he recovers as best as he can. Hopefully, a, a full recovery if if that's possible. Um, but you know, can, I, I mean. After the 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 show had happened, I retweeted a gif of uh of that of that spot that that dragon driver, um and I after I heard the news I took back the retweet I unretweeted it because I felt so bad about even retweeting that that scene so I I it's hard for me to go back to watch that match same same with you know uh, anything involving a serious injury that Shibata, Shibata Okada match I think is is kind of tougher to watch now knowing what happened in the man afterwards so uh yes it certainly does affect my enjoyment of it. See, I didn't watch the New Japan show until Sunday, so I knew about the injury, and I really could not get into that match. Be- I, I, I was kind of on the fence about, do I even want to watch this? Like, mm-hmm. I really didn't want to see this, but I felt that this is, you know, a major news story. I probably should see what exactly happened, but I'm just, like, holding my breath throughout this match, knowing that something awful is going to happen, and it was not an enjoyable watch of this match, and... Then when that happens at the end and they continue afterwards for at least another minute or so with a Canadian destroyer, no less. Mm. Uh, oh, it was. Yeah, it's I'm sure had I watched that show Saturday night with you guys and we did a show right after. I think I would have been pretty high on the show as is. But going into it uh, between that and then more so uh, today, just kind of um, getting, you know, the update on, on Jim Ross, like that really left a bad taste in my mouth, that that particular incident and what a significant injury he has now. Uh, I don't know. There, there were parts of that show that I uh, definitely did not uh, leave a great feeling by the end of it with. What is the update on Jim Ross for people who aren't aware? So uh, for those that that's maybe missed it on Saturday night, there was a spot where Jay White threw Juice Robinson into the um, – into the metal barricade, which these were like the old kind of metal versions, not the kind you see at the WWE any longer. Um, they also all... they also weren't fastened together. They were not, and that's inexcusable that they were not fastened. And these were issues earlier in the night uh, to the point, not just uh, had the announcers brought up this fact about the 
um, the barricades not being fastened together. But now, apparently, uh, Jim Ross had even spoken to uh, whoever the officials were the night prior that knowing the wrestlers tend to brawl ringside did not want anyone spilling over into their area. So it makes it even worse knowing that Jim Ross somewhat for was able to foresee that there could have been an issue here. And Juice Robinson is launched into their announce desk and Jim Ross flies off falling down. Josh Barnett gets up and you watch this. I mean, the Josh Barnett aspect is like, he totally believed that this is just, they're setting up some program with Jay White. It appears it was not, this was all off the cuff and Jim Ross was legitimately hurt. And today I found out he was in the emergency room uh, Monday uh, awaiting results to see how bad this rib injury is. And uh, Dave Meltzer has you know, further reported that he's had to pull out of three uh, commitments that he had later this week because of this injury. And that he's got to take it easy now because there's fear you know, he could contract pneumonia from this. Uh, that is Jesus. Wow. That is inexcusable that a 66-year-old announcer has that kind of injury coming out of a show. Something that was easily preventable that was requested the night prior to be completely avoidable and yet this happened. I, I just think that it was so irresponsible on, on behalf of um many different people that that just never should have happened. Mhm. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's a show that um you could certainly – there was a lot of positive to that show, don't get me wrong, but I think that there is um, criticism, too, that goes around, and that's not even getting – listen, the, the Takahashi injury, obviously not something premeditated, uh, but something just very, very unfortunate and certainly trumps anything that happened on that show when a guy's uh, neck is injured to the extent it is with uh, Hiromu Takahashi. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was – But, I mean, yeah, shit, ahead. like, this is this is the style, you know, that we're we're seeing these days. Like – like we we went through it very recently with with Will Osprey in that Marty Squirrel match. You know he thankfully came out of that one okay, but um, I I mean, do do you feel like we're as fans enjoying these matches? Do you feel like we have a role in all this? I don't. I I think that it's very heavy handed to blame the fan base. I think that yes, these are breathtaking maneuvers that how would you feel if an audience protested these moves? If some guy was risking his life with some death defying spot and people Mm -hmm. intentionally protested it, booed him, uh, didn't react to it. It would be seen as so disrespectful of an audience, not respecting a performer. I mean, that Um, that would just never happen. It wouldn't happen. I mean, listen, I, I think that the talent they are the ones running the show. They are the ones that you are workers. And that is uh, part of why I enjoyed tonight's Raw main event so much was that Rollins and Drew McIntyre had a very safe, safe match. match that built and the audience was very hot for it. And then you got that closing stretch, but it was nothing that was insane. I, I really enjoyed that match and I think it can be done. I think the bar is extremely high. But this is an industry that is one that can be reinvented on, I think, a rather short turnaround that you can be a Zack Sabre Jr. and get over. You can, And that's going to an extreme. Uh, I think, to be honest, that there's 
some of these uh, suplexes and some of these spots, I, I think that there's almost a numbing factor to the audience as well that you have to do so much that, yes, you think of your Will Ospreys, your Ricochets, but there are there are hundreds of guys that are doing this now that I think the really creative ones are going to see what – try and get ahead of the curve and see, well, what is the – what is something different that can get me over and get my attention? So I, I don't think this is going to change. I, not at all. John, John the, you just wrote a piece about the 20th anniversary of the Hell in a Cell. You know, we're talking about reckless spots. That is the most reckless spot of any reckless spot in the history of wrestling. And look at where Mick Foley's career went after that, right? Um, so this won't change. Like re- wrestlers, especially young wrestlers, are going to go out there and they're going to try to get the attention of the audience the only way they know how. And oftentimes it's to kill their, themselves uh, or at least, you know, <laughs> uh, to come close to doing it. So uh, it won't change. No. I, I think though, when you see something serious like this, I mean, when you are one of those critics that is against, uh, you know, a style like that against moves like that, mm-hmm. it's quite honestly, the, a large amount of people that will signal or single out those critics as relics who don't understand modern wrestling that are just uh, stuck in the past. And then when something like this happens, that's kind of a wake up call and a temporary wake up call. But then a temporary one, you know, like you're like, right. We went through the nineties with like all Japan where everybody's dropping each other in their heads. And then at some point that cooled down, but then, but it's back now. So, um, yeah, maybe even then, a temporary wake up call is a good thing. And I hope something like this is, is something That'll speak to the Will Ospreys of the world to, you know, maybe limit the the risks from time to time. It it won't. I, we can pretend now that this is some gigantic turn. It's not. Shibata was not a turning point where I was watching guys headbutt each other last year in New Japan right after the Shibata injury. It's not going to change anything. Um, this will be something that uh, it's really unfortunate for Hiromu Takahashi, but um, we're going to go into the G1 this weekend and you're going to be seeing the exact same stuff. Yeah, it's hard for me to like really kind of, you know, say, tell wrestlers what to do because I'm not a wrestler. Like for all I know, a body slam could be, it could go wrong and we could be talking about. It did with Stan Hansen, Bruno San Martino. Sure. That's how Bruno broke his neck. So, I mean, wrestlers are taking risk with every move uh, pretty much that they're doing. Certainly some moves are riskier than others, um, but it's hard for me to say what, what uh, a wrestler should be comfortable doing without knowing what that, how, how that wrestler is. It, how comfortable that person is with doing it themselves. I assume Hiromu Takahashi and Dragon Lee, they've done that move before, maybe not in that release version. I'm not sure. This time it didn't go according to plan. Um, and if you ask you, Hiromu... You've, you've answered your own question, though, about is it, the, is it on the fan base if what you're stating is that you are not comfortable telling a performer how to perform, mm-hmm. that, that is placing. The, the onus is on the performer then, the professional. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they went with it suggested that they were very comfortable doing that move. Uh, and this time it didn't go so well. And it's been, so, they've done that that spot before, exactly. the, the Phoenix Plutz. Now, it typically ends in a bridge, and this one, it, there was a release, and then he falls right on his head. So whether that release was intentional or not, um, that was a differentiation this time. Yeah, and I have a feeling like if you ask somebody like Hiromu, I'm sure he has no regrets about attempting that spot, you know? Um, uh, questionable, um, you know, depending on how significant this injury is, um, whether he 
does regret something like that. I mean, he what I mean a, is, what I mean is, like he he probably definitely, obviously, he okayed doing the move, and, right? And I'm sure the two of them were perfectly fine uh, attempting it with, with perfectly fine with the amount of risk that was involved in doing it. We should also uh, talk a bit about Brock Lesnar. What did you think about the angle after watching it? And I think we can call it an angle. I thought it was great. Like it, it kind of brought me back into uh, the world of MMA for for one evening. You know, Def, uh, I, I'm all for it. I think MMA, the UFC in particular, needs something like that right now. I always gauge when MMA is hitting by the amount of interviews I am requested to do, and this mm-hmm. one seems to have been one that has connected with the regular sports fans. Yeah, yeah. Brock so, is great. Brock is just awesome. That outfit he was wearing, those boots, the suit, comes in and just cuts the the promo of all promos. You have a really big fight now with Daniel Cormier. And the big question was, well, when can this fight happen? And I reached out to USADA on Sunday. And on Monday, they did send uh, us a statement. And it reads as follows. After receiving notice of his intent to compete in the UFC, Brock Lesnar re-entered the testing pool on July the 3rd. With six months and four days remaining on his period of ineligibility, Lesnar will be able to compete on or after January 8th, 2019, should he remain in compliance with the UFC anti-doping policy. January 8th. January the 8th. So mm-hmm. that would mean um, he cannot fight this year, according to USADA. And I think that that is a good thing. I think that early 2019 has the benefit of you are now in your new television deal with ESPN, mm-hmm. and that is going to be the first major fight ESPN has to promote. And unlike Fox, one of the the deal points that they have worked into this agreement is that you can purchase the UFC pay-per-views through the ESPN Plus streaming app, meaning that ESPN will get a cut of the pay-per-view if you buy it through ESPN Plus. So they are incentivized to promote the UFC beyond the fact that they are now a broadcast partner and are going to be pushing these events significantly on all of their platforms and a Daniel Cormier, Brock Lesnar fight with all of the ESPN muscle behind it. I think that's great news for Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier, who I think are going to get, you know, I'm not going to say that it's going to be dramatically different if they were to fight uh, while the Fox deal is still in effect, but I don't think that hurts. I think it helps. Yeah, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, do you think that, that that they will go on with a end of the year show? And uh, do you anticipate that show being as big this year without you know Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Cormier, the biggest matchup that's on the horizon, being on that show? Well, it depends what other options they have. What is Conor McGregor's situation after he deals with all these legal issues from the fallout at two twenty three in Brooklyn? Um, what is George St Pierre's status? Uh, that's that's going to be the difference of whether that's a major show at the end of the year. They also have to book Madison Square Garden, November the 3rd. That requires a major fight. Um, Conor McGregor's name had been circling for the October 7th pay-per-view. So, um, you know, they, they have a limited amount of star power. And it seems that uh, one of them in Brock Lesnar won't be available for 2018. Mm-hmm. And what do you think this means for the both of those those heavyweight and light heavyweight divisions? Well, Daniel Cormier was talking about today on Ariel Hawani's show that he would be willing to fight, defend his light heavyweight title in November and then turn around and fight Brock before he would retire in March. Oh, my God. He should so, not do that. Come on. He should not do that. 
Well, I just don't see any interest beyond just Daniel Cormier of any of the potential fights he would have at light heavyweight. He was throwing out Shogun's name today about fighting Shogun You're, if he if he were to win in Germany this month. Well, I think he would beat Shogun, but at the same time, are you going to jeopardize your Brock Lesnar match where you're probably going to make 10 times more money than the Shogun fight just to, to what? Why? Why do that? Um, I don't know if it jeopardizes it. I think you could still do it, but you're right. Like, why? Not, about, and not wh- if he had a significant injury. You're right. He could get injured. He could have an awful weight cut going down to 205 again. He was 246 pounds, I believe, for this fight on Saturday, I think, off the top of my head. And he's going to get down to 205 in November. Um, I don't know why you would put your body through that at that point. Like, you are the double champion, but your money fights, if you want to squeeze in two fights, the money fights are at heavyweight. The other thing is, so what What do you think this means now for Brock Lesnar, the WWE Universal Champion? All right, so I tried to check up on this on the weekend and was told that Brock is scheduled to be doing SummerSlam along with several Raw appearances leading up to it, including the night after SummerSlam. And then beyond that, I don't know. I don't know what is left for him. You would think, in theory, that he would be dropping the title um, before um, August is done. Like, that would make the most sense to you, wouldn't it? Certainly, yeah, unless they have plans for Brock to do another match uh, in between that, and I can't necessarily see see Brock doing uh, another pro wrestling match, a title defense at that, um, in the middle of his camp. No, I think that once Brock has a date set for his fight, um, that will be all of his focus, Mm -hmm. and not trying to balance the two. Like, we, we saw that in 2016. After WrestleMania with Dean Ambrose, he was gone. And that was, uh, you know, ahead of a fight in July, which... It's also, um, it's also, you're also asking the WWE to let their universal champion participate in, a, in an MMA fight that he could very well lose. So I don't think that part... I don't know how much that is really, you know, a, a black eye if he, if he loses or not. I think that it's... I think it's way less uh, of a importance than it was before. Yeah, I just don't don't see them doing it. Well, um, that's kind of the latest with with Brock Lesnar, and yeah, you saw it at least now giving us some clarification on you know when he actually did uh, re-enter the testing pool, which was last Tuesday, and mm. he has to go through uh, six months and four days until he is eligible. Uh, to fight again. So before we get into Raw, we should go over this week because it is a very big one way. Um, Do you want to start off with the G1 coverage that begins this Wednesday, actually? Yeah, first of all, uh, I want to remind everybody, uh, you can still enter our G1 contest. You have two more days. You have until Thursday uh, to enter this contest. And you can go to postwrestling.com slash G1 to find the entry form. It's free for everybody. You don't have to be a patron. It's open to everybody. Just go there, fill in your uh, predictions for the entire tournament, and just get yourself psyched for this tournament coming up. Uh, So there's that. And then uh, as far as our coverage goes this week, on Wednesday, WH Park and myself will be providing our listeners on the free feed with a G1 primer. And this will be very similar to our uh, Wrestle Kingdom primer that John and I did. Uh, where me, the newbie, will come in and ask all the questions to the expert. John, unfortunately, can't join us uh, this week, so in his place will be W.H. Park 
and uh, you can uh, all of uh, all of our uh, listeners, if you're a patron, you can ask questions yourself to WH Park over at uh, postwrestling.com, uh, the forum forum.postwrestling.com. So there's going to be that, and then uh, our G1 coverage starts right away after that, doesn't it? Yes, me and Way are going to be back this weekend with shows on Saturday and Sunday for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe reviewing the first two nights of the G1 Climax. Uh, very busy week, as we stated. All of our regular shows will be out along with uh, the G1 shows uh, on the cafe, and then we're back Sunday night with an Extreme Rules uh, event as well. That yeah. uh, God knows how long that show's going to be. Yep, so so our regular shows, the British Wrestling Experience is back. Uh, Up Next is back this week with Davey and Braden. And on Friday, also on the cafe, we have a review of Glow Season 2. That's also what I did this weekend. Holy shit, Glow Season 2. Did you finish it? I have not finished it. I still have a few episodes to go. Uh, man, it's it's a very quick watch. Like I went through, I'm I, I went through like eight episodes in two sittings. I'll probably finish it tonight. It is excellent this season. Like I I like it. Spoiler, what? It's excellent. That's no spoiler. It's good. I want to go into it without a, a, a an opinion. Well, you lingering. might. I thought I'm it was excellent. Around. You might feel different. Uh, but in particular, man, everybody should watch at least episode four with Kia Stevens. She is fantastic. Episode eight has been another highlight. So I won't say much, much more. Uh, listen to the review on Friday on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Is it fair uh, what Ronda Rousey has been to professional wrestling, uh, Kia Stevens might be to acting? No. <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't I, say either has made that. Like, I wouldn't say Kia Stevens has made that big of a dent in acting. Wow. So, like, I thought you were. I thought you were paying her a compliment here. I think I mean, she's fantastic. She's great, for, but for someone that's an untrained actress, yeah. But uh, I mean, Kia Stevens is not leading that show. You know, Ronda is expected to lead like uh, uh, WWE in a couple of years. Uh, she's she's heavily protected. She's not. Uh, she's not all over the show. Okay, she's then. not the main character. Fine. Uh, she might be a main character, but she's uh, she's just sparingly. Kia Stevens, the uh, Ronda Rousey of Glow. Yes. All right. Uh, so all of that is coming up. Go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. You sign up. You can get all of the G1 shows from now through August the 12th, 19 in total, uh, plus all our other bonus shows, including the Rewind a Raw double shot. And oh. what do we have What do we have uh, to go through tonight, Wade? This one might be a triple or a quadruple shot tonight because... We, aside from talking about Raw, we have a whole lot to, to cover on that show. Uh, not only did Total Divas return this week. so you Bellas. Can, oh, sorry. Total Bellas. How, how dare I mistake those two? Total Bellas is back this week. Uh, as well, being the elite, episode 110 picks up right after the Cow Palace show. So we see the fallout from the Bullet Club breakup that took place at the end of that show, uh, as well as the fallout from Cody versus Kenny Omega. Awesome. So we'll uh, tune, tune into that. Uh, time permitting, uh, I'm also going to go over the Sports Business Journal piece that took us. Uh, John Oran did this piece going behind the scenes of all the television negotiations that the UFC and WWE had uh, leading up to their respective deals. So some interesting information out of that article as well. So uh, sit back, have some banana yogurt with some berries and get ready for the double shot tonight. All right, raw time from Boston on Monday night. The TD Garden, I a venue I've been to. I can't believe this was Boston, but like Sasha was relegated to those backstage segments. 
which had of the three cutaways, only one of them featured dialogue. Oh, like this week like they, they were there for B-roll. It feels like this week uh a mo- a memo must have gone out last week or something where somebody said, "Guys, this was terrible. We have to do a lot better than this." And it almost feels like this week they just like they took out all the silly stuff and they almost like the Sasha Bailey stuff in particular almost felt like it was deliberately hidden because they were embarrassed by it, but kind of obligated to finish it. Explain this to me. It was shot in the exact same room as last week. Mm -hmm. So these were theoretically all done last week, you would assume, right? I mean, not necessarily. Those could just be like sets that they, you know, it could just be, they could have just as made, just as well made a new set or the same set in this building. Um, Well, yeah. Like they replaced Dr. Shelby, which if, if he was not going to be around this week, if he had some incredible commitment that Trump being on national television, you would think they would have just shot these last, like there was nothing content wise in any of these other than a quick Bailey speech. It's what I expected. I thought it was a continuation of last week's segments. Like they could have got away with just the, the rough footage of last week's uh, shoot and just ran it the consistency of the same Dr. Shelby character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what's up with that. I'm also looking for uh, some dark match results to see if there was any involvement with, with Sasha and Bailey on the, on the actual show. So, okay. We'll keep our eyes peeled for that. Speaking of um, match results at the SmackDown house show on Monday night, one thing of note was uh, there was a tag match with Nikki cross from NXT teaming with Becky Lynch against the Iconics in Augusta on Monday night. So, um, got it. Maybe maybe just a one-off, but maybe something too. So. The dark match was uh, Roman, Seth, and Braun versus Drew, Dolph, and a very reluctant Kevin Owens. And uh, Braun Strowman pins Dolph Ziggler to win. Wait a minute. So they they defied doctor's orders and had Kevin Owens wrestle a match? Well, he was very reluctant. The dark match doesn't count. You don't need a doctor's note for that. Oh. Uh, after after what they just went through with with Doctor Amon and this whole lawsuit, you would think that doctors' notes would be something that they would treat with the most uh, s- significant uh, as a priority. Hmm. All right, let's get into this show. Started off with a big recap of the Roman Reigns Bob feud, and Reigns is just uh, strolling around backstage of the TD Garden, which has a very nice uh, backdrop to it. I mean, all these you know memorable. Sports figures, and it's very nice. This isn't just some random, out-of-nowhere backstage area. You can tell where they are, which I liked. It was almost, like, they almost did, uh, paid attention, uh, or they did too good of a job covering it, because uh, Lashley and Roman end up having their conversation right in front of a Boston Celtics logo. And this prompts the crowd to completely ignore what these two were saying, and instead they were chanting, let's go Celtics, through this whole thing. Oh, I thought they were miked poorly, but maybe it was just because the crowd was so loud. It was really hard to hear these two. I mean, they're also doing it like right. It seems like underneath, um, like where that curtain would be. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure maybe a lot of the audio bled through. And speaking of uh, corporately named arenas, what is your verdict on the Scotiabank Arena? I hate that it. has now re- replaced the Air Canada Center. Of course, I hate it. I mean, not to say the ACC was that much better, but at least I mean I'm used to it, right? Um, I like saying the ACC. I'm never going to call it the SA. No, it's terrible. And and the other thing is, like, one of the major movie theaters in Toronto is the Scotiabank Theater. 
So now when you say, hey, I'm going to go to the Scotiabank, I'm not sure if you want to go to the movies. I'm not sure if you want to go to watch a hockey game. I don't even know if you want to go and, and you know, make a deposit. So it's, it's too, too much. Come on, let's be a little bit creative. Oh, could you imagine if we go to Raw at the end of August and you accidentally show up at John in Richmond by mistake? Yeah. That could be really troublesome. Definitely. Someone will do that. So they have a conversation backstage. Again, very hard to hear this. Uh, he runs into Lashley, and he instructs Roman to go out to the ring and call him out because then Bobby's going to come tear him apart. And I don't know what was preventing the two from just saving us some time and getting to the physicality now, but they had to do I guess they're vain. That's the whole point. They have to do it in front of all the people. And Reigns comes out, long, long entrance, calls out Bobby Lashley. So Bobby Lashley comes out. Maybe his Fitbit was like at, you know, a thousand steps off his target. And he thought that this walkout would just get him to his desired goal. Uh, or maybe they had a three hour show and they needed to <laughs> fill time with uh, entrances and all this bullshit in the back. They start, uh, they start fighting. Kurt Angle interrupts with Baron Corbin. Uh, actually, this, this, uh, this preceded the fighting. Baron is out with Kurt and they say to save the fighting for Sunday. And this is when they start brawling. So we got the, the mid-card patrol out, uh, which included Finn Balor and Bobby Roode. Oh. Along with the, this was like playing Raw Bingo, where you just got to check off names you, you hardly see on Raw. We had Titus Worldwide, Kurt Hawkins, Mojo, The Ascension, Rhino, The B-Team, No Way Jose, Chad Gable, Zack Ryder, Authors, and Mike Kanellis. Yeah, pretty this much. Was, this was the Raw roster. I feel like this Every, might have been the everyone. first time I've seen Mike Kanellis on Raw since the shakeup. On Raw itself, it might yeah. be. I, I think he was. I think they did a backstage thing once, and he was in the background. Oh, okay. <laughs> I seem to recall that. Lashley breaks free. They did the big brawl back and forth. Audience was into it. Um, it led up to everyone on the floor with Roman in the ring, and he dove over top to the floor with this giant tope. It was a really great visual. Mm -hmm. And then they played his music, which just brought all the booze back. Um, I had a few notes of this segment. Number one was Bobby Lashley's incredible amount of perspiration. He sweat so much by the end of this. Um, the other was when they showed the slow motion replay of Roman's dive. And if you have not watched this, Watch this in slow motion and watch Roman's tongue. Oh, did he do like an MJ? He sticks out his tongue like he's Gene Simmons, and it stays out for the whole rotation over the top. He's angling his legs over, and this tongue is like three inches out of his mouth the whole way down. Wow. That's impressive. Cool. I like this segment. It was good. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like we're just making fun of this, but I actually thought this was very well done. It sounds like you did too. Uh, I I mean I thought uh, you know the 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 pull apart is a kind of tried and true method of making a a feud seem very intense, and I thought it was very successful here. I thought Lashley in particular looked a lot more serious this week than previous weeks. Um, I also thought Roman was given some very good cool heroic moments that made him that gave him a genuine babyface response i thought that video that pre preceded this segment was very good and again like it kind of reminds you 
even if these segments by themselves, when you watch the raw footage, it's not, they're not very good. Uh, you can bank on, you know, the editors and the producers to pick out all these in individual lines and make them 10 times better in the video package. So again, um, the video package was very good. I think it's placement right before that this segment was key because it reminded everybody of exactly what these two were fighting for. It made their feud seem a lot more intense than it probably came across if you were watching this week to week. So, uh, by the end of this, I thought they managed to reach a higher level of in intensity with this feud. However, I mean, I still don't discount a crowd shitting on this match at the pay-per-view. Can you can you see a scenario of, of Lashley winning this match on Sunday and getting Lesnar? Not at this moment, no. Uh, you know, it's possible, certainly. Like, I mean, in a month's time, can they build to, to Lashley versus Brock? Uh, yeah, but I feel like there are just so many better choices for babyfaces to face Brock right now at SummerSlam. I think it's only these two. These are the, your candidates. I don't think anyone else is, uh, w with the exception of Braun, who I guess you could um, involve in, in some form or fashion. Um, but they're really not teasing that at all. Um, mm. Anyway. Yeah. I think MMA Brock with uh, an invigorated Lashley. Uh, I, I think just the fact that it is not Lesnar and Reigns will be of interest to people. It's possible. Uh, personally, I just don't feel like Bobby has really connected uh, on the on the level of a main event babyface yet. You know, I think this was like a good um, good week for him, but I just don't see it yet. But in, in a month, can they change that? Certainly, they can. How about another obstacle course, and then that's Lesnar's Why don't we return. just put him on, like, American Ninja Warrior? And I think, has he done that? I feel like he would have even already done I don't that, think but. so, no. Well, just have him win that. That's all the build you need. They cut away from the brawl to Alexa Bliss and Mickey James looking on in horror at this display. And they note it was crazy out there, but nothing compared to what they're going to deliver to Natalia and Nia Jax. So that is the threat. Mm -hmm. Alexa and Mickey took on Naya and Natalia, as explained. Uh, Natalia ran Alexa into the barricade, clotheslined Mickey, and Michael Cole noted Natalia, of course, a well-documented friendship with Ronda Rousey. Which, what, what does that even mean? A well-documented friendship means they've posted photos together on Instagram. Um, there's evidence. There's evidence of it. Have they registered their friendship with the the, the courthouse? Um, does Do they have all, all their paperwork? Does Facebook friending count? I doubt they're Facebook friends. Yeah, who uses Facebook? No one. Uh, they worked in a heart attack spot here with mm -hmm. uh, Natalia and Naya. Yeah, no mention from the announcers, but I mean, who cares? Alexa went to Way's favorite transition, the chin lock, as we got that awful Extreme Rules promo where they randomly asked people to explain Extreme Rules in 30 seconds. And the material they did get out of this makes you wonder what was on the cutting room floor. I mean, it was just, it's, it's the most, one of the most lazy promos that they've done for a pay-per-view. And I think it shows you exactly what, how much, how important they think extreme rules is in, in, in amongst their schedule. Um, like, I mean, we saw that promo and we also saw the Ronda Rousey WWE 2K promo on this very same show. The, that was a two, that was 2K though. 
I know, I understand. But I'm just saying, like, right, in the terms contrast. of in- importance, like, it is, it couldn't have been, like, one looked like the Super Bowl. The other looked like, you know, a YouTube video. Remember that this Extreme Rules pay-per-view, this is the remnants of the intellectual property of ECW that they purchased. Like, you think this so? was You think this is the, the reason? This was the this was the gimmick that they would use on the ECW like on the WWE's ECW show like this is what morphed out of the one night stand pay per view right that's right yeah this well is it's how just they an- got there. I mean it's just another word for no DQ'd isn't it what what do we even have this this week that is extra we have a cage match and we have this uh, no DQ match with Alexa and Nia. are there even any other stipulation matches not that I'm complaining um, Iron Man matches. I, I might don't not, view that as extreme. They might announce something on a SmackDown. Mm. Like, Styles and Rusev so far doesn't have a stip attached to it. it pro- I don't think it will. Mm. I don't mind it at all, exactly. Like, I'd rather stipulations be saved for uh, rematches or matches that call for stipulations, and it seems like that's what they're doing this year. What if they just renamed this pay-per-view regular rules? Mm. They could do that, sure. Won't make Standard rules. Hot tag was made to Naya. She went wild. This crowd really got into her her big mm-hmm. fire up here with a military press slam. There was an avalanche in the corner. And then leg drop Mickey for the win. And then Bliss attacked her with a kendo stick, hit her with several shots. And then Naya grabbed the kendo stick, broke it over her, her knee. And Alexa and Mickey ran back to the backstage area. I thought this was a, actually a good little TV match. And I certainly feel like the crowd reaction helped it. Uh, the crowd reaction for Nia's hot tag was very positive, and I was happy that they even waited for Nia to actually get the pinfall before having Alexa hit her in the back with the kendo stick, uh, because I feel like in previous weeks we would have just had a DQ finish to something like this. So we at least got a conclusive finish here. Good closing angle. I love the visual of Nia breaking the kendo stick on her knee. Uh, she feels a lot more aggressive lately, so uh, I think she had a good week as well. So, you know, the story is, we know Nia can beat Alexa in a singles match, but in an Extreme Rules match, Alexa might have a better chance. This weekend, get excited, Total Bellas in Paris. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to those. They're always <laughs> like, oh, every season they go on a trip and it's just, sometimes they're good. Like, like one year, Lana and Natalia, like, got into a fight, and that was quite entertaining. But this year, I don't see that happening. Oh, so they go to Paris every season? No, they'll go on a trip somewhere. Oh, okay. Like Naya just came back from what? Cabo? Uh, so- Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Charlie interviewed Naya, and she said Bliss cannot break her, but she can break her, and is going to snap her in half like the kendo stick. Anything goes, and she's going to pay it back to Alexa inch by crushing inch. I thought she did well. You know, she here she didn't come across as her typical cocky self. I thought she successfully conveyed sympathy here. So already up until this point, like I was actually pleasantly surprised that wrestlers like Naya, Roman, and Lashley, who I feel like in the course of this build had have had mixed reactions as baby faces. This week, I thought all of them managed to get the crowd. And then Charlie asked her final thing, Naya, can you explain extreme rules in thirty seconds? <laughs> Then we go to, we literally went through all the shit involving Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. And Kurt Angle's in his office. Owens walks in with his luggage, and he's got a doctor's note 
for Kevin Owens that he uh, for for Angle stating that he can't work tonight and he should have filed a complaint for unsafe working environment that happened last week with the porta potty and he's not medically cleared and he's going to hang out in Kurt's office all night to hide from Braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get these awesome vignettes all night long of Owens just irritating this guy, but can't say we really did. Are you kidding me? Like this this has been such a one-sided feud. Like I feel I almost feel like Owens is going to win this match. It's just been so one-sided. It's hard not to root for this guy. Yeah. He came this feud started by him coming out apologetic after money in the bank and just wanted to be this guy's friend. Yeah. Well, he started, was the one who with, was with Braun sending him through a table off a ladder. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I almost killed you. You're you're a man enough to offer me your hand in friendship, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do this to you. How could you possibly be cheering for this man? He's a he is a monster. Yeah. Kevin Owens is going up to Shania Twain. It's like this is a nice individual. I do really hope Kevin Owens wins because I really want Shania Twain to sing his favorite song to him in Montreal. Do you, do you have any interest in going to Just for Laughs in July? In Montreal? Yes. I certainly do. Because Sami Zayn is going to be doing his improv debut. I really, he has, yeah. He has no training. I think he'll be mm. great. I uh, mean, come on. He, could, he actually, you're right. I, I know exactly what you're going wrestling to say. Wrestling is training. You know, I feel like he might be more prepared than a lot of people. I'm, I'm sure he's going to do fine. Yeah. I, 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 I would love to I, see I, video of that. I would love to interview Sami Zayn and just chat improv with him for, for 20 minutes. I won't even ask about wrestling. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll work in one question at the end about the, the vertigo back in April. What exactly happened there? Um, but anyway. <laughs> so they next match, we've got our rematch between Mojo Rawley and No Way Jose. I guess this week Mojo was open to this rematch idea after... You know, wanting to murder people to avoid it. He was okay this week with the rematch. Mm, yeah. Mm. I'm, sur- I'm sure he's been missing out on his win bonuses by disqualifying himself. Jose went for a guillotine and took the shoulder tackle where he was launched. There were forearms on top by Mojo. Big overhead suplex. And then Mojo sent to the floor. He leaps up to the apron, clotheslines Jose, and hits an Alabama slam out of the corner for the win in four minutes and 12 seconds. This match was almost all Mojo Rawley. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I, maybe, like, Jose got a couple punches in, but it, otherwise it was just, it felt very conclusive. Like, um, I think Mojo clearly looks like he's getting a bit of a push. Uh, it looks like the end of this feud, I would think. I thought Mojo, again, you know, he's... You you can tell how limited he is, perhaps, uh, compared to some of the, the standard, I guess, that's out there in professional wrestling right now. But that said, I still thought he looked good. He showed some impressive athleticism. Uh, personally, I mean, I'm glad he's getting a chance. He works hard. I feel like he just kind of needs more of a unique character and perhaps maybe a bit more of an interesting look right now. Then we had our first segment with the new therapist, with Bailey and Sasha. Same office as last week. Bailey states that Sasha keeps stabbing her in the back. She's tired of being taken advantage of, and Sasha only cares about herself. We would get numerous uh, cutaways to this scene, but this was our only actual dialogue this week for this I feel non, like, non-moving feud. I feel like it must mean that 
I mean, these segments have been terrible. Um, and maybe that's why that they're they're not even they didn't even show much. I I just realized these two aren't even having a match on Sunday. They're trying to draw this thing out to SummerSlam. Oh God! Next week, the the payoff to this is that next week the results of their counseling is going to be presented to Kurt Angle, and one of them is going to be presented badly with the results. Holy Christ! Mm. They can't make it to SummerSlam, can they? Uh, well, it has to end somewhere. It's going to be so sad for them to just, you know, they'll probably get a fine reaction at the Barclays Center because of their history, but they are just, mm, I don't know, limping towards this match. Like, this feels like a Raw match to me. This is, a, a, at most, a yeah. one-week buildup for Raw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they do have time on their side, and they have a whole month, I guess, they can use to build towards it, uh, although time hasn't really helped them lately. But things can turn around. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell you that I was interested in Dolph Ziggler like six months ago. But I mean look at look at how he's turned himself around. Seth Rollins met with Jinder Mahal and Sunil backstage, and Jinder said that life is beautiful. Instead of burning it down, one must embrace it and find inner peace if you are to chant my mantra as he chanted Shanti. Yeah. What yeah. I think this is leading to is a Jinder and Sunil just ransacking this place and leaving the locker room in a bloodbath. <laughs> you think so? They, this is all uh, just Jinder has been bottling up all of his frustration and anger for where he is. And he is going to strike down on the whole raw locker room and commit a felony. Wow. He's more out of control than ever. Because he's just been suppressing all of this anger, and it's all going to come out in a violent, violent form. Hmm. Uh, it's it's possible. I just don't even know how. I don't know how well Jinder could pull that off, though. I don't know if he if he could pull off bloodbath. Maybe he's going to kill off the Singh brothers. Wow, that'd be that'd be a lot. I think you know whatever this Jinder Shanti thing is. It's an improvement over seeing him in the main event as a champion. But it's still very far from entertaining at the moment. I thought we were getting a new original series starring Naomi and Jimmy Uso with this very professional shot promo. But it was just an intro into Skyscraper starring Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, it's the two of them coming out. They're saying like uh, they're, they're, they're talking about family. Family is everything. So uh, I guess uh, that's. Because this movie deals with The Rock trying to save his family. And also because The Rock is their cousin. And he's got one leg in this movie. Really? I think so. No way. How do you climb a building with one leg? How do you climb a building that's on fire? (laughs) One floor at a time. Do you want to go watch this at Scotiabank Arena? Um, Yeah, I'll meet you. Um... (laughs) Yeah, he does not have one leg, dude. I'm looking at a photo. He? I'm looking at a photo right now. He's got two legs. The guy jumps off of like a, a a crane into onto a building. So I don't know how much of a leap he can have with one leg. I don't know how you got the fact that he's he has one leg. And I was talking trailer. to someone about this on the weekend, and they were telling me that Dwayne Johnson in the movie he has like maybe it's a no. Okay. The new Skyscraper trailer shows Dwayne Johnson playing an amputee war veteran. 
Oh, so I guess he's got an amputated, like a like a prop or um. Yeah, he's got no leg. Oh, okay. So he's jumping off of one leg. Uh, and then he's even got a fake leg on. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a yeah. He plays an amputee. Well, that's pretty impressive, then. Oh, oh, what's that? There, yes, put that in the fact-checking right. thread, everyone. <laughs> Seth Rollins came out. This movie sounds ridiculous. Um, and it sounds <laughs> awesome. It sounds awesome, actually. Maybe next week uh, you can give us a report. L- let me read the synopsis quickly. Okay, okay go for it. Yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> this is Skyscraper starring Dwayne Johnson. This comes out this week, everybody. Former FBI agent and amputee Will Sawyer lives in the tallest and quote-unquote safest skyscraper in Hong Kong with his family. The skyscraper itself, known as the Pearl, houses several floors that function as their own society, and despite the risks highlighted by Sawyer, who is the building's head of security, his bosses insist that it is impenetrable. Why does, it, why, why does the safest building need a head of security? Well, you never know what could happen. I uh, guess this movie proves that. Yeah. True to Sawyer's belief, the building comes under attack by terrorists, forcing Sawyer to take action. Matters are complicated further when he finds himself framed for the attack and his family trapped above the resulting fire line. Ooh. A hundred minutes later, (laughs) he saves his family. Hey, that's pretty fast for climbing a building. Wow. I don't know. I'm sure because this is Dwayne Johnson, this thing will do well, but I I could not possibly have any interest in this. (laughs) Come on. Dude, like, you're a fan of the Fast and the Furious movies. This is exactly that. That's high art, though. First of all, this could be. After what you just read, and you look at this guy, does Dwayne Johnson scream, Will Sawyer? No. I mean, that that sounds like a character I would play. Not a character that (laughs) Dwayne The Rock Johnson would play. Will (laughs) Sawyer. Yeah, Will Sawyer. Sounds like like a Boy Meets World character. Um, hmm. Well, listen, I'm not looking for realism, okay, in Skyscraper. Oh, you're not getting it, I don't think. Seth comes out. Uh, boy. He had some material here, way. Boston always knows how to party, baby. And he goes over winning the money in the bank here in Boston, the nicknames he's had, and... The only moniker that matters is former Intercontinental Champion Seth Rollins, and he's got a rematch. He explains how an Iron Man match works, and he knows that Drew McIntyre is going to be in Dolph Ziggler's corner, but he's Seth freaking Rollins. So Ziggler and McIntyre come out, and Ziggler is bringing the title to Extreme Rules. He'll still be champion, and Drew calls him and Ziggler the future of this place. Ziggler puts over Rollins as being a great wrestler, but you're no Dolph Ziggler, brother. He may win a hundred to nothing or a thousand to nothing on Sunday, which would be incredible if he could get a thousand falls. Could he mathematically pull off even a hundred falls in thirty minutes? Depends how fast the counts were, and how shitty Seth Rollins would have to have yeah. an evening of. Mm-hmm. Like he'd have to be really bad. Yeah, get pinned a hundred times. So. Rollins cuts him off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You've been bleaching your hair for too long. I think that peroxide is getting into your brain. Do we have any doctors in the house? I wish there was like a laugh track on wrestling. I wish. 
that I could have been the laugh track when he read this in the afternoon because this was clearly one of those where he thinks to himself, is this one I fight or do I just go for it? Yeah. Oh, this was so bad. Like Seth's, Seth, to me, like he's on such a hot streak that I just I don't want to see them douse his flame with comedy shit like this. Uh, yeah. Did you mean to have that fire pun in there? I just worked it in there, and I didn't even write it ahead of time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I like Seth has been such a highlight of Raw's of late, including last week. Uh, but this week it almost felt like everything was inverse because I I felt like so much of the rest of the show worked, but it was Seth's. Like terrible comedy in this segment that just was one of the lone weak spots of Raw. Like this was just almost like John Cena level bad levels of bad of comedy, and mm. and not being able to pull it off anywhere near like a John Cena can, even when he has Ugh. some of that god awful stuff. Like Man. this is just this is not Seth's forte. No, no, it's not. Ziggler picks up the promo and screwed up on his words. I think he was trying to say shred of dignity. And the audience just ran right down his throat when he mm-hmm. screwed up here. He starts mocking Seth's CrossFit and says, that's not how you win an Ironman match and pulls up his, his 121 victories when he was wrestling at Kent State. Rollinson asks, why is Drew taking orders from this little pipsqueak? And he says, uh-oh, don't tell me there's photos. Dolph said, yeah, Seth, you're the one who should be telling us about photos getting out there. And he says, Drew, I know it gets lonely in Scotland. I know there are only so many sheep to go around. Yeah. Which, was he trying to refer that Drew is a follower as in a sheep, or was he just purely making a bestiality joke on, on cable television? No, I think it was the second one. All right. McIntyre... Uh, you would have thought that he just found out he had been fired by the reaction to this awful joke. And it leads to a challenge. Um, listen, the positivity is going to come when we talk about this match, but this setup, this was, uh, Seth has been near flawless this year on raw. This was maybe the worst segment he's been involved in this year. It, it, oh man. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's hard for me to think of like the, the worst of lists for Seth Rollins, but, uh, I would certainly, um, maybe, and I didn't even mind game. Ziggler that much in this. I huh? think this was more just it was all of Seth's material. I, I thought the other the others horrendous. were good. Yeah, I thought Dolph was good. I thought Drew was pretty good too. But Rollins, I mean, uh, it's written poorly. Um, I think his delivery sucks too for this type of material. It's hard for me to think like anybody. Like I don't know if Kevin Owens would have done much better with this, but I just don't think Seth Seth does the whole you know uh, smart ass comedy thing well at all. Imagine digesting the peroxide line and having to call out for any doctors in the house. And then you keep reading. And then we get to the sheep joke. Yeah. He must have had nothing. Imagine what other lines maybe he did protest that we didn't get to. This might have been the revised version. Oh, B team is dressed up as Matt and Bray. I hate this now. I I have gone so far down on this gimmick. Mm -hmm. They spent so much time on this, too. Oh, God, it's awful now. It's just like they they assume that, you know, just the the, the sight of, of these two dressed as, as the characters is enough to make us laugh. But it's it was that first time. Yeah. But subsequent like this is what the fourth week that we're seeing of this. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen like no new material 
nothing clever about the promos. It's just they're still relying on the visual to make us laugh, and it's just been so incredibly lazy. Um, I, I have no interest in this match at all or this feud. Axel is unbearable. Bo isn't even trying to disguise his voice any longer. He's just doing his own voice. Mm. They were interrupted by Matt and Bray on the screen. Time for fun is over. That was the beginning of the segment. The fun had ended. They have been infected. They have the cure. They will eat and delete them. The lights go out. They appear in the ring. And we get a match between Matt Hardy and Bo Dallas. Which featured the Revival watching backstage. So it seemed that their two-week push was halted this week with no follow-up with their wins over Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley. Did they win last week? Um, what happened last week? I can't remember what the follow-up was. I feel like they lost. Okay, I'll look it up. Sorry. <laughs> wasn't, it a, wasn't it a DQ? That they DQ'd themselves, yes, because they were idiots, yes. That's so, they, so they lost, yes. There was a vertical suplex on the floor, went through a commercial, Bo Dallas in a two-segment match. Uh, they teased a side effect onto the steps. Bo avoided it, took one in the ring. Bray took out Axel on the floor. Matt was distracted, so Dallas hit a spinning neckbreaker uh, with him draped on the top and pinned Matt Hardy. So Matt has lost to both of these geeks uh, in successive weeks leading into the title match on Sunday. They won that damn battle royal uh, five weeks ago, and we're going to get the title match in week six. That is a hell of a long stretch for this B team. What? What battle royal? I don't even know they, what you're talking. They about. want a battle. Ro- Remember the battle royal that Drew and Dolph Ziggler were in that we complained about. That was the oh, battle yeah, royal yeah, yeah, to yeah. get yeah. this tag title shot. I thought you were talking about uh, Bray and Matt because they won battle royals too. That's right. They won. They they were in the WrestleMania one. Yeah. Um, okay. No, this was, was uh, back at the beginning of June. Dallas and Axel won that battle royal to get this prestigious title shot that they will finally get on Sunday. Right. Gotcha. Thanks. Renee interviewed Bobby okay, Lashley. Hold on a second, though. So at the end of the uh, at the end of the segment, um, Bray and Matt, I guess, are are laid out, and the B team are celebrating in the ring, and they make their comeback. <laughs> no, then then we get the Wyatt blackout. Yeah, and then we come back, and I guess we're supposed to know, believe that Matt and Bray have mysteriously teleported from one side of the ring to the other side of the ring. Is that what they did? It was oh just the laziest like excuse for one of their blackout things I've ever seen. Like, what was the point of all this? Oh, they got they stood up. <laughs> they teleported. I didn't, we didn't even see them. They teleported from the floor to standing up. Like, I don't. I didn't get the feud. I didn't. I didn't get the point of that at all. I think this feud sucks. Renee interviewed Bobby Lashley. Get this, okay? He respects all his opponents, even Sami Zayn. Even Sami Zayn, the guy who called into question his military service with this country, but he doesn't respect Roman Reigns because of the way he walks and talks. Wow. What a low bar. What's wrong with the way he walks? I think he's got a pretty nice step. A good I, don't think any, I don't think one detractor of Roman Reigns has ever cited his walking ability. No. no. Maybe, maybe they are competitors on their Fitbits, as we mentioned earlier. Hmm. And maybe he knows... What a power walker this guy is. Mm-hmm. He's cheating. He's always running. He's always running around the ring doing that drive-by. Right, right. Probably rakes him up. He doesn't like the way he walks or talks. And he's sick of Roman bringing up what happened 10 years ago. Roman is not going to walk out of Extreme Rules. Believe 
that. Yeah. I thought a pretty good promo from Lashley before uh, uh, we completely shit on it. I, I didn't know about that. I just thought it didn't make any sense. He doesn't like the way he... He doesn't like him, is what he's trying to say. Cool. Tell me that. Well, he wanted to be specific. Give me, give me some motivation here for your hatred. Don't tell me you don't like the way... What? Is his hair off-putting to you as well? Ooh. Yeah. Take my money. I can't wait for this. I mean, I'll... I, I really wish Brock had gotten into the octagon and told Daniel, I really don't like the way you walk to the cage for your entrances. Well, that would have been a way better promo to cut than the one he did. Well, I mean, he didn't really even say anything. Like, he didn't Brock? Really have to. Well, he didn't say why he hated DC. Called him a piece of shit. Yeah, he didn't, didn't say why. Why does he think he's a piece said, of shit? said, I've been watching this heavyweight division. Yeah. You're all garbage. Okay, whatever. Says the guy who uh, failed the drug test. Anyway, um, I, l- listen, I, I'll certainly say the motivation for Lashley is is probably not very strong. Reigns at least has something about how, like, uh, you know, you left. <laughs> Even La- Reigns isn't that strong. You left to go to MMA and you failed. He hard- he's hardly a failure in MMA. Uh, so I can't say the writing was all that strong, but I thought Lashley's delivery was pretty good. Going to to the Brock thing, were you surprised they didn't bring it up on the show? Hmm, yeah, in the same show where they brought up uh, Ronda Rousey. Um, and given the fact that, I mean, they instantly had a story up on WWE.com. Like, they were not out of the loop on mm-hmm. any of this. So, I almost feel like with this story that they have been pushing of Brock not feeling anyone is up to his standard in the WWE, that and all this attention... I thought it would be really easy to say, what's Brock doing in a UFC octagon? Is he not coming back? And but you know, that's that's a story that you can get to after this pay-per-view. Possible. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I guess it's just, you know, it was a big story coming out of the weekend. The Ronda thing was something, obviously, that helps them because they have Ronda now. So to be able to promote Ronda as a UFC Hall of Famer is something that helps. To, to have your universal champion, you know, take his attention elsewhere kind of makes you look like you know, his second job rather than his main job. It's just kind of strange if you are watching this and the, the champion has had this major thing that went down on the weekend and it's not even addressed on this show. Hmm. Yeah. Tyler Breeze is in the back handing out shirts to Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan who just blow him off and leave. And I don't know what Tyler Breeze is going to be doing for the next six months as Fandango is undergoing uh, surgery on his uh, on his labrum, on his left labrum. So he's mm. going to be gone for, he's estimating six months. And I don't know where Tyler Breeze fits in. Maybe they're going to throw him on 205 Live or something. Possibly, yeah. I, I mean, I also think it's a chance for Breeze to really kind of uh, break out on his own. I mean, I, he's a great performer. Yeah. People might laugh at that considering, like, you know, his, his role right now. But sometimes, like, you know, it's very tough to find, like, TV time on Raw. I understand that. But I think, like, uh, there, there's always a chance, I would say, for, for guys like him to do, like, comedic, funny things, whether it be online uh, and it eventually makes its way into TV or, or else uh, somewhere else. But, you know, it's not necessarily such a bad thing for him, I would say. We got B-roll of Sasha and Bailey, but the announcers just spoke over them. They plugged Ronda Rousey going into the Hall of Fame. On Thursday, did you happen to see her speech? I did. Yeah, yeah. I was not a big fan of it. I don't remember it all that well, to be honest. Like there was really nothing that kind of stood out to me. It's it a, sounded like something 
Stephanie McMahon would deliver at a press conference, like the motivational speech, mm. um, minus the, you know, her delivery was fine, but it just, it didn't lack any, it, what it did lack was, you know, she's following Matt Sarah and Art Davey and all these people that were so loose and these, you know, personal anecdotes about their careers and stories and they're having a good time. And then you got this very rigid motivational speech from Ronda Rousey that didn't have any of like, she didn't talk about herself at all about anything from her career. It was just, it was all like speaking to this unknown fan out there saying, I did this for you. I did this for you and going through all this stuff. And it just felt, this is such an over prepared speech and not necessarily the setting for it. Like this felt like a, I don't know. It just, it didn't connect with me. Like, many of the other speeches did at the hall of fame. It just felt like the wrong tone for it. Hmm. Alexa bliss selfie promo. Uh, she said nothing was more exhilarating than attacking Naya with a kendo stick. And she's saving the most for Naya calls Ronda an overhyped rookie. And she will be the extreme raw women's champion on Sunday. How is this? Uh, it was words coming out of compared to the Ronda one. Oh, um, this was shorter. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I can't say that uh, this one left a big impression on me either. So maybe they were they were equal. Do you think this match is going to uh, be helped by Ronda being there ringside? Or do you think it's going to distract because people are going to be so focused on her to get involved in the match? Um, I, I mean, I, I think as soon as Ronda gets involved, I think it'll... Uh, really turn up. Uh, will it suffer? Will the rest of it suffer because of Ronda's presence ringside? Mm. I I think having Ronda be a part of it already makes the match a lot bigger. So I I think overall it helps. I'm optimistic about whatever they are going to do because I think that you know Ronda segments have been generally home runs that are well planned out, well thought out, and more importantly, well carried out. They are executed very well by the performers involved. So I feel whatever idea they have, I I feel pretty optimistic that this is going to be um, a positive on the show rather than a negative. Agreed. Ember Moon versus Liv Morgan, the woman known as the War Goddess. That being Ember, not Liv. Uh, Morgan sidestepped away from a super kick. She retreated to the floor, went through a commercial break. Uh, I hope this is a recurring bit where Michael Cole talks about his interactions with Liv Morgan. <laughs> yeah. La- last week, we learned she describes herself in one word as juvenile. This week, he came up and asked her, why is your tongue blue? Her answer was, I like the color blue, dummy. <laughs> I like the fact that like he only asks one question. Each week, I just picture this robot going up to people, and he's got one one data point in his brain for a question, and then yeah. he moves on to the next subject. I want a one hour sit down interview between Michael Cole and Liv Morgan. Oh, I wish Cole was still doing those sit downs that they put on WWE.com yeah. just to hear him and Liv Morgan. That's my my dream interview. Why do you tie your hair like that? So I can have two ponytails, you dummy. <laughs> Morgan has been studying her Trish tapes. We got a uh, kind of a version of a Stratisfaction, although Ember coming down, instead of like drilling her like face first into the mat, she came down on her forearms as if she was going to do like go into a handstand or something. Like a DDT. Like she, she spiked herself like a DDT. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and then she did the Matrish. Mm-hmm. So that's right. Uh, uh, Trish Stratus, by the way, on uh, today's uh, table for three with uh, Lita and Alexa Bliss. There was a fallaway slam to Liv Morgan, springboard off the t- off the rope by Ember to knock Logan off, and then a jackknife bridge to Morgan uh, for the win. Uh, I don't want to like overstate her performance, but I I think that Liv Morgan is you know I making improvements. Agree. I completely like, agree. I-, I thought this was an impressive match from these two. Like obviously Ember in particular, she looked really impressive, and, and- I-, I think she's very undervalued. Oh Ember my God. Moon, I think that greatly helped this match and leading Liv through this match, but Liv is showing, you know, fine improvements on the main roster. Definitely. She looked good here, too. So good job overall from these two. I feel like Ember still has that, like, uh, NXT, like, um, you know, uh, enthusiasm about her uh, before, like, you know, the... the, the, Give her her six months. Exactly. All, like, all the the disappointments of the main roster have, have, have made her lazy and have weighed her down. She still has that, like, fire within her. Um, because she's Ember Moon. So, uh, but you know, she looked great. I hope she has something big coming up, but yeah, Liv Morgan looked great too. Finn Balor was backstage. I don't know what it is about Renee's interviews, but now they're always about people's mindset. What's your mindset? Rude interrupts, says him and Balor are both good looking. They have great hair, great abs, but no one is better in the ring than Balor, he says. And tonight, they will be absolutely, and Renee says, glorious. He says, no, victorious. Mm. I don't know what the hell they're doing with Bobby Roode. But. Well, I thought weeks ago that they were going to turn him heel. They seem to have pulled back on that, at least for the time being. Uh, he was a total babyface on this show. SmackDown promo aired. Uh, last week, they did a god-awful number. And this week, they're coming back with AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, as well as Team Hell No on Miz TV and the Lumberjack match with James Ellsworth and Asuka. Does that no- not bode well for Daniel Bryan then? The fact that they did such a poor number? Uh, I, I don't know if you just put it on him, but it's... Listen, there was... Um, you know, the last little while, like, SmackDown numbers have not been all that great. And last week's was, like, scary low in comparison. Mm-hmm. I think it was the lowest SmackDown number since the night of the U.S. election in 2016. So, not great. Then we got another skyscraper spot, which they just aired footage of Daniel Bryan winning the WWE title at WrestleMania 30, which I will guarantee you they're going to air the same skyscraper ad on Tuesday night, the show Daniel Bryan is on, and they'll have footage of, like, Kurt Angle winning the King of the Ring or something. Oh, Doing their, doing their usual SmackDown right. guy featured on Raw and vice versa. Sure. Angle is with Kevin Owens. He's got an aerosol can complaining about the air circulation. And Kurt Angle basically said, well, it's because of you smelling like shit from last week. Ziggler and Drew walk in and they have added the stipulation that uh, Kurt has added the stipulation that if Drew McIntyre loses to Seth Rollins tonight, he is banned from ringside at extreme rules. Owens backs up Ziggler that this is ridiculous. And McIntyre agrees, stating Seth Rollins will not get through this mountain tonight. If you're Kurt Angle and the general manager, wouldn't you want to prevent this guy from being at ringside regardless? Why would you make that an option? Right, yeah. I guess you need justification, don't you? 
Yeah, the be, fact that he's been interrupt interfering in matches, I th- I guess, should be enough justification. I'd be furious I, if I was Seth Rollins. Yeah. Elias played a song in the ring, and he welcomed out Baron Corbin to sing. Itsy Bitsy Balor. This is among the worst singing performances, if you can call it that, I have seen in any any form on a television set that was sent to viewers in the world. No, it was bad. Yeah, William Hung was better than this, certainly. Um, I but... think they're going to give him a singing gimmick. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was bad like it exactly needed to be, you know? I, I actually kind of like these two together. Elias has been mentioning that he's been recording a solo album, so uh, I, I look forward to that. I think it's been a while since we've had a wrestler record a full-on album, and I assume this one will be very comedic. Spotify playlist from oh, Elias. Yeah, for sure. I think that'll do well. I think so. I mean, people, people will download that. Like, yeah, what does that mean? You know, like how much money are they going to make off of this? I don't even think it's about that, but I think it'll help him. Elias and Baron took on Finn Balor and Bobby Roode. One of the things, man, they really hit you over the head now of having to always call him Constable Corbin. Hmm. Okay. They had the heat on Balor for a long time. Eventually tagged in Rude, who came in, ran into a chokeslam backbreaker by Corbin. Save was made by Balor, who then came, hit the blockbuster to Corbin. Then Elias made the save. Corbin is trying to make the tag, but now Balor turns the tables and he yanks Elias off the apron. They brawled on the floor. Corbin is rolled into the ring. Balor goes for the coup de grace, but is crotched on the top, and Corbin runs shoulder first into the post, missing Rude. It's a spine buster to Elias, and Corbin is able to recover, capitalize, hit the end of days for the win, pinning Bobby Rude. And this is to set up Finn Balor and Baron Corbin for Sunday at Extreme Rules mm-hmm. in a regular rules match. Yes, that's right, yeah. You know, uh, I thought a good match between these four. Crowd, I felt, was really with it. I thought Balor's fire was very strong tonight. Uh, despite the fact that this build really hasn't been there, you know, I think Balor versus Corbin, there's just been nothing in, in, in that match. And I don't expect all that much interest going into this, uh, uh, extreme rules match, but I'll say Balor's performance tonight looks strong, strong. You know, what would have been really extreme and logical as well. What if we had, instead of Bobby Roode teaming up with Finn Balor and doing that promo tonight, he did it a month ago talking about Finn's great hair and people complimenting Finn Balor on his hair. And this angered Baron Corbin to no end. So at extreme rules, they would have a hair versus hair match. Finn Balor and Baron Corbin. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Balor would have to shave his head bald because Baron can't stand all these compliments people give him and none for Baron. And Baron ends up getting shaved. His head is shaved bald at the pay-per-view called Extreme Rules. And you get that. That would have been the payoff to this match that no one cares about on Sunday. Oh, completely agree. Yeah, that would have been pretty extreme. Owens is eating a sandwich and offers it to Kurt. And Braun walks in. And Kevin Owens is frightened. And Kurt announces a steel cage match for Sunday between the two. So Owens can no longer run away. And Strowman asks, what's that smell? And he starts sniffing. And tells Owens that he reeks of fear. And then this asshole sprays fucking... It sprays this can right in his face. Yeah. Febreze. Like, man. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's Tyler's new gimmick. <laughs> um, like, what an asshole. 
Like Braun Strowman is like such a dick. Mm-hmm. He's the ultimate bully on this show. Yeah, I think so. I mean, mm, but you know, Kevin Owens has been a jerk in the past, so he deserves it. But he's trying. He's trying to turn. He's trying to rectify those those past issues. Uh, can't the man improve? Sometimes you can't give people second chances. Well, big steel cage match on on Sunday. Maybe Owens is going to get thrown off of the cage. Mm. I I do think there is a chance that Owens could win. Well, all he has to do is escape the cage, right? Yes. Yes, that's right. So there's the cowardly way out for him to to win this. Yeah, and then Shania Twain. Here we go. Just say when. Then we had the promo spot for Ronda Rousey as the other um, pre-order character for the 2K19 video game. Uh, This was a phenomenal spot. So Ronda walks into this empty locker room. She hangs up Roddy Piper's leather jacket that he had given to her that she always walks out with. And then you have clips from what I'm pretty sure was the two of them on a podcast together. It was Piper's podcast with Ronda, I I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. That's what I thought it was too. And you're hearing Piper talk to her like – like Rhonda is his like surrogate, and man, this was just a mentor a and a spot. student talking. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. It was so good. Like it gave me chills. You know, like this is the type of video. Imagine if they played this before Mania. Like imagine before Rhonda comes out, they put this on the screen. Holy shit, that would have been amazing. Like I'm saying, this this promo was worthy of that stage. You right. Know? So, I mean, I, I'm i so glad 2K made something like this. If there's any concern of people booing and turning on Ronda Rousey, which there has been, there, there hasn't been for a long time now, but if, if there was any, this is the type of promo that you show them to the, the most kind of hardcore wrestling fan to, to, to show, to get Ronda Rousey over with the wrestling audience. I mean, I thought it was, this was so great. Bravo again to the 2K producers. Yeah, I'm curious how well... Um... You know, the combination of Ronda Rousey and Rey Mysterio are going to do as as pre-order characters because I think those are two great characters to have in this video game with separate audiences that you would think this is going to have um, maybe more interest than past years. I'm, I, I don't know, actually. I don't know too much about, like, video game numbers. Um, you know, kind of knowing that Ronda's in the game kind of makes me a little bit surprised that they didn't immediately put her on the cover of the game. Cause, I agree. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure, AJ. you know, but I'm sure next year uh, they're probably already targeting her. Sasha and Bailey are still there, and next week we're going to get the results. Can't wait. Renee interviewed Roman Reigns. He wanted to provoke Lashley tonight. They don't respect each other. That was until he saw the fire in Bobby's eyes tonight. In that ring, I am a dog. And he has the killer instinct that Lashley doesn't have. He's going to beat Lashley. And then he's moving on to bigger and better things. Bob is going to be the guy somewhere else. Sending him back to Impact. Or Bellator. Yeah. You know, I thought the interview was fine. But uh, Roman has this, like, such a laid-back delivery that uh, I feel like his interviews backstage never really grabbed my attention too much, or nor are they just memorable at all. So, you know, like I try to imagine if this was a promo that somebody cut at the Performance Center. I really can't see any of the coaches applauding it. Now with feeling. 
Yeah. Make me feel something. All right. So we go to the main event. Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre. They started off with this collar and elbow tie-up where Drew sent Rollins face first into the mat from it. And he's overpowering Rollins. And I'm not exaggerating. The first 13 minutes of this match was McIntyre in control. He worked the arm. He launched him with this overhead belly to belly. And it's not until around the 13-minute mark that Rollins starts fighting back with his sling blade, hits a pair of suicide dives. Cole again reminds us how Iron Man matches work. Rollins starts uh, getting the burn it down chant, and he goes for the stomp but misses it, and Drew catches him with an inverted Alabama slam. Rollins comes back with an insiguri that places Drew into the tree of woe, and Drew did a spot where he sits up in the corner, suplexing Rollins off the turnbuckle. Uh, the audience was just, you know, getting more heated as this match progressed, and you could see them getting into the the big stretch at the end. It's important to, to, to note that, like, this was, to me, this was like a match, a Rollins match that was significantly slower than, you know, a lot of his other matches as of late. Like, with, with McIntyre in control, a lot of it was resting, or quote-unquote rest spots, you know? Uh, but, like, knowing what these two are capable of, I feel like it was almost definitely done intentionally to set up for, you know, something bigger or maybe just to, to give the audience a slower paced match one week. And probably a tip off that they are going to have several more matches down the road between yes. these two. Why do the crazy mm-hmm. over the top? match? I like the fact there weren't big near falls in this. It was mm-hmm. just it's just a standard match that was a great match. Um, yeah. Rollins hit a super kick, hit a Falcon arrow for a two count. And then Rollins stopped him in one corner, buckle-bombed him into the opposite corner, and he climbs up. Ziggler's on the apron, gets kicked off, hits a high cross for a two, and then Ziggler tries crawling into the ring and takes the stomp. He turns around and is hit with the Claymore kick, and McIntyre pins him. 21 minutes and two seconds, and McIntyre carried Ziggler to the back to end the show uh, with Rollins defeated. Uh, Great main event. I really enjoyed this a lot. I really enjoyed the change of pace as well uh, to know that, you know, these somebody like a Seth Rollins doesn't just need to, you know, run the ropes a million times really, really fast do a bunch of cross um, high crosses and suicide dives, even though he did three on this one. But it was a different style of match for Seth Rollins. And I thought it was the crowd wasn't as crazy as like previous weeks. But come on, it's a TV match. Save it for the pay-per-view. I I was totally fine with it. Uh, what do you think this means? Because, you know, clearly uh, they're positioning Drew McIntyre for a pretty big spot. If uh, he beat Seth Rollins on a show like this, um, what do you think it means for the 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 title picture? Uh, I guess with uh, Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, Andrew McIntyre, how do you think he figures in? Uh, for 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 the Universal title? Yeah, no, for this uh, the IC belt because the way I see it is, um, I thought this was the match that they were going to save for SummerSlam. Um, by having Drew beat Rollins ahead of his title match against Dolph, uh, it kind of perfectly sets up Drew challenging Seth for the belt. Yeah, maybe you put the title on Seth this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, you could have done the SummerSlam match between McIntyre and Rollins without giving this match away on Raw. Right? You could, but I, I mean, we're at a point now where they just... It's hard for them to save matches. They just don't typically do it, and ah, I could see them coming. Maybe SummerSlam is also one of those shows where it's just get everybody on the card that it could become one of those. I, I really hope Seth gets a big singles match, but it yeah. seems like they're going to be tied here. This could also be um, 
you know, the story is that he's outnumbered. Like, this perfectly sets up uh, Dean Ambrose's return, and that could be a tag match for SummerSlam. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. You know, like the, he, he's outnumbered on Sunday, and the next night on Raw, um, that's Dean's return when he's Seth is once again outnumbered. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that idea. I think that you could go with that, and it's fresh with Dean coming back. Do we know that he's ready? I mean, he's been he's been working out at the Performance Center. He's been out since December. I believe he's been uh, spotted at the Performance Center. Um, don't quote mm-hmm. me on that. But he should be, like, he's been out since December. So you would think that he should be pretty close at this point. Hmm. Uh, so if, if he is cleared, I, I think that that could be a possible direction. I thought this edition of Raw was so much better than last last A hundred times. Yes. I mean, I feel like, again, like somebody must have sent a memo out last week just saying, wow, guys, we should be doing a lot better. Because this week it felt like the everybody, the writers especially, it seems like they were taking this show a bit more seriously. The Bailey-Sasha stuff was almost hidden away. Um, I felt like the baby faces felt like baby faces tonight. Good crowd reactions all night and good matches too. Good main event. I thought the Ember Morgan match was a nice surprise. The Finn Rude tag match was good too. So good good addition of Raw in my opinion. There you go. Dean Ambrose apparently, this was from PW Insider, had started working out at the Performance Center um, several weeks ago in mid-June. So, um, yeah, that would right. seem that would that timetable would suggest that he he should be pretty close uh, to coming back. Cool. Uh, I, I'm with you. I I really enjoyed this episode of Raw overall. I mean, there was some uh, there were there were some bad promos on this show, but overall, I thought this was a pretty enjoyable Raw. I really liked the brawl segment. I really really enjoyed the main event, and yeah, we'll see on Sunday um, what kind of a show it is. I WWE pay per views typically are very long, but the key matches deliver. Certainly, so. yeah. When you just leave it to the wrestlers, um, oftentimes, especially in the case of like the Rollins Ziggler Iron Man, I can expect that one to be pretty good. Yes, and Tuesday night on Rewind to SmackDown, we'll go through the whole card, um, the finalized card for Sunday. Uh, but let's go to feedback before we uh, we wrap up show number one of our of our Monday night marathon. We'll start off here. Well, first of all, the poll tonight, Way. Do you think that the forum is going to be as high on this Raw um, as we were? I just saw it. I oh. am shocked. Oh, wow. I imagine that means low. So on a scale of 0 to 10, the forum gave this Raw... Uh, four point zero six. Come on, Come I would have gone at least six point five on this show. Seriously, this one was a four point six. Come on, really? All right. I don't want to overstate. This wasn't the greatest raw of all time, but, no, this, but this, I, this, I, was I this was a pass. This is definitely a pass. Oh, without a doubt. Yes. Uh, but let's see how you guys justify this score. All right, Bernie from Chicago really enjoyed the first. This is also one of those weeks where it's go- uh, the the ones that's ah, oh, you guys are sound negative. It'll be crickets this week. Absolute crickets. You guys are so positive. Stop. What are you like, getting paid by the WWE or something? Yeah. Fucking chills. And then yeah, next week, it's like promoting oh, skyscraper. They, they, they hate WWE. Yeah. Bernie from Chicago really enjoyed the first segment with Reigns and Lashley. When they don't have to speak and are just physical, both guys are at their best. I also really enjoyed the McIntyre Rollins match. The Shawn Michaels and Diesel feel to the Ziggler McIntyre pairing is great. McIntyre has the potential to be a big star in the WWE for a long time. However, I wish these two would have just wrestled. Their talking segment was brutal, and the WWE sunk to new lows with bestiality humor in that segment. In fairness, they've hit the bestiality card numerous times. It's just been a long time. Yeah, I mean, would you say bestiality is worse than necrophilia? Uh, This wasn't acted out. Yeah, I would say that was way worse. 
Combine that with Mojo Rawley, No Way Jose, the, the leader of Earls versus the B team, the Riot Squad ripping shirts, and Baron Corbin singing. I write this. <laughs> Those four in succession, uh, Mojo and No Way Jose was not offensive, but the, those, those latter three. Those were short, though. Okay, aside from the, 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 the B-team tag match, you know? Okay, whatever. All right, fine. The Bailey, Eric, Sasha, the Bailey Sasha stuff you could throw in there, too. So he gave the show a three out of ten. All right, all right. Eric in Miami. John, a few years ago on a podcast with Corp Bauer, you used this incredible analogy on how WWE treats talent. It's a plane with five people in first class, and everybody else is fighting in the back. I use that to discuss the Roman Bob pull apart. It was upsetting as a fan of Finn Balor and AOP to see them used as glorified security for it. Were the authors in that? Yes, they were. Wow. But in the end, when the segment was over, the crowd was cheering for Roman and it established Roman versus Bob as the main event, <laughs> unlike what they did for Roman against Joe at Backlash. Question Do you guys think Seth and Dolph will go out of their way to have the best match of the weekend, including the G1? Oh. Dude, I don't, Tana, Tanahashi and Suzuki are having a match. I, I would be really stunned if they have the match of the weekend. Maybe they'll try. Um, I think it's going to be a really good match. I certainly see that as the, the highlight of Extreme Rules. Yeah. Uh, but this is a pretty high bar this weekend. Yeah, no do I think, you know, they're actively going Dude, out Kenny there Omega and Tetsuya Naito are having a match the same day. Mm-hmm. There's no way they're touching that one. Probably not, but uh, I, I mean that doesn't mean it won't be a good match. You know, we could no, enjoy I, everything. I think it's going to be great on on Sunday. All right, we a lot got of good wrestling. We uh, sorry, is it your turn? Your turn. Okay, uh, phenomenal analogy I had all those years back. I don't great. recall making that analogy, but that uh, really, really, in on par with everything. Chris from Melbourne, Australia. Any hope I had of Finn challenging for a world title shot soon was dashed as he appeared to be on geek duty during the opening pull apart. Bailey and Sasha with a new therapist in the same office. Did we really want more of these? With Brock Lesnar back to do a fight for the UFC, do you think he keeps the Universal Championship until after his fight? Personally, I could see him dropping it to Roman just before the Melbourne show in hopes that the majority of fans in Australia will cheer a newly crowned Roman Championship, uh, which I can see backfiring and calling us Bizarro World. Um, The thing with Brock is that I myself, I cannot state when this contract is up. I know that uh, Dave Meltzer has reported that his deal with the WWE is a short one that is supposed to end at the end of August. Um, if that's the case, certainly you would imagine he's going to drop the title before then. I do not see him holding the title past um, January if he's not fighting till then. When is that Melbourne show? Melbourne show? October. Beginning of October. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I think he'll drop it at, at SummerSlam. If not, maybe the night after. I could see that, it, you know, hearing that he's supposed to be there, the Raw, the night after Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see a scenario where you don't do Roman and Brock at SummerSlam. You go with something else with Brock. And then... Braun. You, sure, Braun. Um, it, you have the Lashley option that you've introduced. Uh, and then you do the impromptu. You have Lesnar and Reigns impromptu. His first television match since 2004. And... That's where Roman gets his win, and then Brock's on his way, and you only have two and a half hours of buildup, and I think that audience would kind of be hot for it, just the fact that you're getting that match unexpected. Um, that's mm. maybe the way to do Roman and Brock is on one night's notice and build a big TV number, or at least attempt to. We go to Chris from Virginia. I want to give this show a better grade than a three, but I just can't. The opening brawl to, was, to me, a desperate attempt to put heat on this Lashley 
Rain storyline. It worked for the live crowd, but it just didn't have enough emotion in the weeks before this happened to really get me interested. I agree with one of the earlier comments that Drew and Seth had a fun match, but that talking segment did no favors to anyone. Bestiality, Bully Braun, more lame Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt impersonations, and then we get the icing on the damn cake, Baron Corbin singing. <laughs> I can hear it next week. Tonight, it's Constable Corbin in concert on Raw. I can definitely see that. Thank Christ I'll be on vacation next week. Look forward to hearing your show, but not having to watch the actual episode of Raw next week. Tommy from Scotland. Raw was better than last week, but let's be honest, that's not an achievement. The high point for me was the main event. The low point also involved Seth when he tried to disparage my country by suggesting that Drew is very fond of sheep, when in fact it's the Welsh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tommy, making lots of enemies. All right, we got Andrew from Cape Breton. I can't seem to enjoy those huge pull-apart segments because of past reviews and finding out who the geeks are. This week specifically, Finn Balor and Bobby Roode were the notable geeks. Guys like The Revival and Elias were saved from geek duty, but perplexing ones like Jinder Mahal and Tyler Breeze weren't geeks tonight. I also hate how heated the rivals Mojo Rawley and Noe Jose were able to stay out there for the good of the company. Sadly, figuring out who were and weren't geeks was the highlight of the night. For instance, have you guys ever noticed that Kurt Hawkins has trunks like Bret Hart? Or how Mike Kanellis is looking really jacked? I give the show 4 geeks out of 10 actual stars. Man, just uh, man, that was the segment to have a magnifying glass out for. All the observations. Why are Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler having a 30-minute Iron Man match when their last match on Raw was 34 minutes? That's like two wrestlers not being able to get up by the 10 count than having a last man standing match. Can't wait till next month's port a potty on a pull match between Owens and Braun that like the Ill- illogical booking will also be full of shit. Well, that's a good point. I mean, the fact that hit their last match on raw was 34 minutes. I don't, I, I don't even recall that. Um, well, this will be uninterrupted on it. I don't know if it was that long to be yeah, honest. Was it that long? I can't, I can't imagine a raw match being, that long without me remembering it that well anyway mark from cole harbor i love the owens braun feud i don't care that owens has lost literally every interaction between the two we all believe braun can murder pretty much anyone he doesn't lose unless it's the brock lesnar owens doesn't lose anything by being killed by braun every week because so would anyone else on the roster if they were feuding with him the difference is that owens makes the most out of every second of screen time so in my opinion the feud is the highlight of raw I would love to see Owens as a stronger focus, but I think WWE giving him so much TV time is a good sign for him. The main event was really good. Seth wrestled a four-star match against his dad. In all seriousness, that match was fantastic, and I think the finish was perfect. 28 minutes and 15 seconds. Well, pretty close. Yeah, so... uh, We continue on with our next piece of feedback... My place here. Pat from Boston. I was at the show tonight, so apologies if this is a bit long. Overall, it was a fun show to attend and was certainly a better episode than last week. Low bar, I know. The crowd was hot for a good portion of the night. The opening segment was strong, and both Lashley and Reigns felt important. The women's tag match was also fun, with the crowd getting behind Nia and Alexa, coming off a pretty good chicken shit heel. Coming off as a chicken shit heel. Rollins came off as a legitimate star and had a really fun match with Drew. Unfortunately, that talking segment did no one any favors. Do we really need the most over babyface on Raw suggesting that Drew has sex with sheep? Who does that help? One problem with being at the show live, however, is there is no way to tune in late and fast forward through the countless worthless segments. Three hours is quite clearly just too long of a show. Mojo Jose, Hardy Dallas, Liv Ember, and countless bad promos and skits backstage. 
made me feel like I had been in the arena for six hours rather than three. Extreme Rules should be a fun show, but I'm eager to see it in the rear view as it feels like a lot of filler leading up to the far more important SummerSlam. Wow. Uh, well, you guys are certainly justified uh, in, in how you guys saw the show. I, I just can't believe that we were so far off. Not to say I love this show, but I certainly Listen, liked then, it more than a lot of our uh, We outlined audience. it. There was, there was some shit on this show, don't get me wrong, but I still felt that there was a lot of good on this show, too, that I, I enjoyed. And there was more more good than the stuff that I just, uh, you know, I hated that Rollins segment, but it was mm-hmm. didn't ruin the show for me. Alrighty, we should wrap this up because we've been going pretty long. We still have another show to do. Oh, my goodness. All right, everyone. That's it. We're going to disappear now. We are going to be back Tuesday with Rewind to SmackDown. And, of course, our G1 coverage kicks off this Wednesday with the G1 Primer. And then sign up, postwrestlingcafe.com. All of our G1 shows, they begin on Saturday with the first of 19 G1 cards. So uh, try and get some sleep this week. And that is it. Goodbye. <laughs>